0: You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. I'm Kim Horcher and this is your Sci-Fi 5, five minutes of science fiction history for April 18th, a day which will live in infamy in your parents' checkbooks, for this was the day in 1980 that toy maker Kenner rolled out the first action figures, vehicles, and other toys for The Empire Strikes Back a month before the movie even hit theaters. That might seem like an odd footnote in genre history, except that this was the dawn of modern movie merchandising. In 1977, with Star Wars yet to premiere, George Lucas courted numerous American toy manufacturers, hoping to entice one of them to create toys for his upcoming film. Because 20th Century Fox wasn't entirely sure that Star Wars would catch on, the studio had allowed Lucas to personally retain the merchandising rights, and the optics of the movie's creator shopping those rights around were awkward. If the studio wasn't bothering to enlist toy makers, what did that say about the movie itself? Toys based on movies were not the norm in the 70s either. Ongoing TV series such as Space 1999 and The Six Million Dollar Man were more likely to have a merchandising afterlife because they were around for more than a month or two in the local multiplex. Movies came and went too quickly. The conventional wisdom was that there was no point in creating tie-in merchandise. Major toy makers like Mattel politely passed on Star Wars. Kenner, a Cincinnati toy maker who had successfully turned the $6 million man into an ongoing profit center, took a chance on Star Wars, but signing on the dotted line so late in the proceedings that there wasn't enough manufacturing lead time to get toys on the shelves by Christmas, leading to the legendary early bird boxes, parents bought them, filled out the postcard inside, and their kids would have the first four figures shipped directly to them in early 1978. But for the 1980 premiere of the first big screen Star Wars sequel, Kenner was ready ahead of time. The Star Wars action figures were a smash success for Kenner and a major profit center for Lucas himself, so there was closer coordination between Kenner and Lucasfilm ahead of the Empire Strike Back's premiere in 1980. Sculptors, designers, and artists got much earlier looks at the new movie's characters, vehicles, and settings, and the result was kids walking into toy stores and spotting Luke Skywalker in Bespin fatigues without any idea what Bespin was or perhaps even what fatigues were. Some careful planning was in order to preserve the movie's surprises. The first wave of 10 figures that arrived on store shelves on this day in 1980 featured Han, Luke, and Leia in unfamiliar outfits, bounty hunters, medical droids, winterized stormtroopers, oh and some guy named Lando? The packaging showed 31 figures in all, 20 from the first movie, the Boba Fett figure that arrived not long after the holiday special, and the 10 new figures. A couple of months later, a 32nd figure arrived, Yoda, the Jedi Master, whose appearance and his action figure were held back to make sure the movie wasn't spoiled. Most movies with toy lines now follow this model, meaning that somewhere, a toy manufacturer has rolled the dice on an upcoming movie, being enough of a hit that people will want to buy toys based on it. That gamble doesn't always pay off. If the movie bombs, the toys might be keeping store shelves warm longer than the movie is even in theaters. And major franchises have to juggle getting merch out ahead of time while not spoiling major plot elements of the story, which was the case when The Mandalorian introduced us to another little green guy who wasn't available in toy form for several months. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5, for April 18th. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.